okay and illegitimate scholar is back this is episode 50 relaunch you can expect interviews every single monday now no more standalone episodes Um, anything standalone heavily researched i'm going to go even more on the editing I'm going to add visuals and do that on the YouTube. I just put up an amazing video of an interview with a PhD student who has some new research connecting the Maya to the Mississippi River Valley civilization, and that is only on the YouTube because it uses so many visuals. It's, it's probably the best thing I've ever done. I'm pretty excited about it, so check that out on the YouTube. Uh, this, this coming up episode, this is episode 50. It's with a guy named Buck Mulligan. He's an Irish nationalist. Uh, we talked about Irish history, British colonialism, the current migrant crisis, and how it affects Irish culture, and he makes fun of my accent. So here we go. We're going to be talking about Irish nationalism today. So I'm going to start off by going over some history uh, in Ireland of Irish nationalism and where it's gone for 850 years, uh, just about. And then I'm going to let Buck correct me. And we're going to have a talk about uh, Irish nationalism as a cultural force, where it stands today, and talk about some of the stuff that just happens to happen be happening right now, which is migrants uh, entering Ireland. Okay, so about 850 years ago, there is the beginning of colonization in Ireland. If you've heard anything about this, you've um, you've probably heard something like 800 years of oppression, if you've ever heard anything like that, 800 years of colonization. And that starts with an Anglo-Norman invasion. So this is right after the Normans take over England. And uh, then those same Normans or related ones they go into uh, Ireland. They start going into Ireland. And that was in the east of Ireland. Um, and they captured Dublin. Uh, or maybe they may, I don't know. But but they start up there, okay? And that's the Anglo-Norman invasion. And, and they go in and they kind of take over the, uh, the aristocracy. They take over as a minority population that inserts itself on top of another. Um, you have a few hundred years of that kind of grows, kind of doesn't. Uh, it's just general feudalism until the early modern era and Protestantism is in full force. Oliver Cromwell, who you might remember from high school, was uh, a British dictator, essentially fought against the the crown as well as the parma- parliament in the 1600s, took over. He was extremely Protestant. He went to Ireland and was did some pretty brutal stuff. It's it's up there with the worst of the worst people you can think of, Stalin, Hitler, all those guys. It really is up there if you if you read about what he did. And uh that's the 1600s. That starts a plantation system. So similar to the uh American South in a lot of ways, they they, they were also plantations. Um there was this system of uh plantations in Ireland that were owned by um landholders, most of these landholders being Protestant landholders that were ruling over a Catholic underclass, an Irish Catholic underclass. A lot of these Protestant uh, people, they were a few of them were Irish, but a lot of them were were Scottish that were brought in as settlers. And there were a lot of English ones as well. Many absentee landholders. I hope I'm not saying anything wrong here, Buck. We, we, we've skipped over enormous periods. <laughs> oh, right, fine. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's it's sort of like mission. And it, here. It, just to sort of sum it up and sort of a more uh we are five thousand years ago people start coming into the island of ireland uh lots of small tribes um uh warlords we have you know it's essentially like a warlord system um we're indo-european tribes basically the same as all the other indo-european tribes we have a massive neighbor beside us that turns into a superpower and what happens is the superpower takes over us. We, for large portions of our history, become their bed basket. 
In fact, this has been argued that the reason that Britain got so good at colonization was because they tested everything out on us over, mm. you know, over hundreds, hundreds of years. You have back and forward of different movements. You know, what's, what happens in these areas is, is that your ruling class essentially gets wiped out and a new ruling class comes in. So the Normans come in. Uh, you mentioned Dublin. Dublin was a Viking city. So right. so the Vikings established, in fact, you find this with all of our cities, which is a thing that sticks in my craw. All of our cities were established by outsiders. So um, whether it was the Normans, the Vikings, the Ulster Scots, so Belfast and Derry, both uh, Ulster Scot, both Protestant Ulster Scot cities. Um, we find that just, just throughout our history. Um so it, it, it's that. So do you, do you want to like just jump in to sort of like the periods that everybody sort of like knows about? So like we'll be going, coming to the potato famine. Like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's the, the three events that I wanted to talk about after the plantation system. Because, I mean, you have the, the imposition of the plantation system um, mm. by Oliver Cromwell. This is the 1600s. Yes. And then, you know, this continues to happen. The 1800s, you have the potato famine. I think it's a genocide. I think it's obvious it's a genocide. I mm -hmm. can make that argument. That's a different video. Um, that happens. Depopulation of Ireland starts and it mm -hmm. continues for a long time. The population doesn't increase for another hundred years. At this point, Ireland is officially a kingdom under the United Kingdom and it's owned directly by the English king. Mm -hmm. And there, there are two events I, I want to talk about because, you know, the perception of Irish Americans and of Irish a lot of it comes from the music um, because it's related to American folk music mm -hmm. in for Americans. Oh yeah. So yeah, sure. when we're talking about the IRA, there's two IRAs that are like the main IRAs. There's the Ireland IRA. is, is a whole thing. There's the IRA, the Irish Republican army. Mm -hmm. And that is in the uh, Easter rising 1918. It's that era when Ireland becomes a uh, Republic after that. And then the provisional IRA, which is in the troubles of the 1970s and the mm -hmm. time around that. And that's it. So you say whatever you want about the history now, and then we'll get well, into the culture. I suppose we, we just you sort of start off. That, so like a major, major shift for us is, is of course, the potato famine. So mm -hmm. you have a system you're talking about, touched on, like the absentee landlords. Ireland was, I, I, it was some silly numbers, like 38 uh, men owned Ireland. Everything was divided up, and most of them, and a significant portion of them weren't really bothered. Um, so we had the um, Cromwell brought in was the um, the land. Ugh, I can't remember the names of these lands acts, but um, basically Irish Catholics couldn't own land. So what ends up happening is if you can't own land, okay, right. So if you own your land, what you do is, well, this year we're going to plant potatoes, and next year we're going to plant wheat. Next year we're going to let it sit. And don't worry about it. I'm still here. Yeah, grand. So the year after that, we plant barley because you're always you're looking after your soil, and you know there's a correct cycle, right. um, to 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 plant uh, to, to plant everything. But mm -hmm. if you are um, you don't own that land, and you might get kicked off it next week or next month or next year, you don't think you don't think two years down the line, three years down the line, you want to get as much bang for your buck. So what you do is you start planting potatoes. Because you get a lot of calories. Now that's a terrible thing to do, but you get a lot of calories. Because potato, they'll they'll grow in spite of themselves, and they um uh, grow a lot of them 
it's really good. You sold whatever wee bit of extra you had. But the fact there was there was actually so the Irish lived off a diet of potato and buttermilk actually made Irishmen on average larger than Scots and English as well. So hmm. yeah, yeah, no, it's it's but again, this is the thing because they're growing so many potatoes, but you don't just grow potatoes because someday there's gonna be a, a blight comes through. Uh the Guinness side. Um, I'm actually teetotal. I don't drink. Um, That's all right. That's all right. Yeah. I'm just, I got all the Irish stuff out. I got a flag behind me. I'm not going to furl it out because I got it blurred. But you know, I, I I'm an entertainer. That's what I do. <laughs> um, so we're in this position where everyone has grown this this one crop of sorry, this one uh, type of potato, and so um, a blight comes in from South America. I think it was South American guana. It's been used as fertilizer across Europe. Sweeps across Spain. Sweeps across Germany. Um, in fact, you're, the wave of Germans that come into North America came in because of their potato farming. Right. But none of these... Con- yeah. yeah. Same time. Hmm. So the Budweiser, so the people who came in with Budweiser and stuff like that there, and uh, they, they came in with that same wave. But they weren't dependent on potatoes. There were lots of other crops. It made things a little more difficult. But because right. Ireland had been wholly and completely dependent on potatoes, this was devastating. So we have a population of 8 million. Um, it's more than the population is now still today. Right. Um, a million die at starvation, 2 million leave over the next 20 years, and you keep losing all your young people. So the population just never quite recovered. And then 150 years later, you have an autistic guy wearing a uh, wearing a Celtic jersey talking to another guy in Ireland off of technology. I'm, just, I'm yeah. not autistic, by the way, for the <laughs> listeners. I make too many jokes, and then people think I am. Uh, the, no, I'm, uh, no, I'm super autistic. So that's all right. Know. No, I, a lot of my yeah. friends are. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're, you know, as I'm, I'm skeptical. If you're making a podcast, as a, it's a, usually a strong sign of autism. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, what we find in this, like resentment, you find like the birth of Irish nationalism. Um, again, but not this again as this concept of nationalism as we understand it again is sort of being born at this period as well. So it's it's seeping in, it's seeping in at this point. We have a rebellion of the United Irishmen under Wolf Tone, and right. uh, Wolf Tone's uh, a Protestant. Wolf Tone's Protestant, yes, Church of Ireland. Um, so he's inspired by the French Revolution. You know, he's well, he's, he's called him the father of Irish republicanism. Uh, inspired by uh, the French Revolution. In fact, our Irish tricolor was designed in France based on the French tricolor. And the, the green, white, gold, green being the Irish Catholic, uh, orange being the Protestant and white, just stand for peace between them. Yeah. Um. So it comes out of that there. But, you know, so we have this idea of like a national spirit. The, the, that fails. Wolf Tone dies in prison. Um, we have a few more years of like, we get Robert Emmett. Again, nothing comes of this here until we get into the 20th century. And we have again another big boom. In nationalism, now there's a whole pile of things. So this is about the sort of like the uh, wolf tone, handsome fella. Um, 
but we have so I mean like the, the period that most people are going to be in that you know most people are sort of aware of it's James Connolly, Pierce, uh, Thomas Clark and the the 1916 Easter Rising. Oh, it's, I said 1918 earlier. Oh, right, and it's a 1916. So and there's multiple Easter Risings. That's why we have to specify. <laughs> no, there's well, I mean, maybe other. I mean, Christ. They're I much suppose. more minor. This is the one. This is, this the, is the one, one everybody knows. Um, but she. Uh, but so we have uh, the Rising. So this this sort of comes in. So World War One's obviously happening. Um, an enormous amount of Irish men have have went off to to fight for king and country in France. Um. The ones who stay behind take up arms against uh, the British government, and because they want to state, uh, you know, create an uh, Ireland, uh, an independent Ireland for for the Irish people. Um, the you know, all the revolutionaries. So you have um, Connolly, who was a Marxist. You have a lot of the revolutionaries who were monarchists who want to establish a, a Catholic theocracy. Um, yeah. you had there were letters, there were there were letters between Pierce and some of the others talking about maybe um, uh, siding with Germany and having a German monarch rule over Ireland because there's like a, an understanding that you, you're either part of you know you either have an empire or you're part of an empire, right? Right, right, yeah. I want to add that Connolly, I mean, being a Marxist in 1960, yeah, 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 he wasn't walking around. It, he wasn't walking around saying pre yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole different idea. Yeah, he wasn't walking around saying trans rights. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So he, he, you know, but it was it was about workers' rights, and um, I, I haven't read an enormous amount about. I, I'm more of a Pierce. You, you uh, no mention because we haven't come to Michael Collins yet. That's why. Yeah. So Michael Collins in 1916, Michael Collins was was uh, a was a lad, was running around helping. Yeah. Um. He so 1916 is an absolute. It's it's funny because in Ireland it's such a massive, very important uh, thing to us in British mm-hmm. history. It is a a footnote. You know, this is so unimportant, complete military disaster. Uh, it's completely crushed in a few days. Um, the revolutionaries are taken away. Now, what would have happened, and what now? This is this this sort of changed Irish history. Had the revolutionaries been taken away and arrested and put in prison, there might not be an Irish Republic today. There might not have been an Irish Republic. But what happened was, um, uh, because World War One was happening. The general who had arrested them said, "Well, no, you are traitors, because this is wartime. So we're applying war rules, and you are. Uh, so we're going to execute you." So they took the seventeen away and had them shot. And this led up that there's there's um, uh, one there's you know it's fantastic. There's we have a song called Grace, and it's about one of the revolutionaries getting married while in prison, and you know, now Grace, just hold me in your arms, and let this moment linger. For they'll take me out of dawn and I will die. You know, it, it's it was, it was shooting them was just this amazing piece of propaganda. In fact, you have Pierce was excited by the idea of being dying for the cause. You know that these men were like they, they had had it would have been much worse for them had they just been arrested and held. 
but dying for the cause. But Pierce, Pierce is my again super autistic, obsessed with heroism, obsessed with the, you know the, the Iliad and these these ideas of and a lawyer apparently. Oh yeah 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 yeah, very intelligent man. Hmm. But um, so we have and also the, I'd like to add for for the Americans listening, uh, the Royal Irish Constabulary. That's the black and tans you've probably heard of, and uh, no, so they're they're a separate thing. So the black and tans are something separate. I'm glad I so, said that then. Yeah. <laughs> so the black and tans. So the royal. That was the place, basically. It's the royal. Right, uh, right, right. But they're like a gendarmerie, though. They're like a. They're they're a. They were merc- So they were. So what happened was they didn't have enough police uniforms. So a lot they basically created a mercenary group. I can't remember what the actual name for them was, but they wore their old World War One uniforms. Okay. And so they were called the Black and Tans. So they were separate. They were separate from the uh, the RIC. Really? Yes. So oh. they were. Uh, they, this. These were. I, I, again, it was like they were almost like a, it was a merc, almost a mercenary group brought into. Uh, so they were very brutal. But this would again, this would have been men who would have been fought oh, in the okay. brutal war. In so. Uh, Black and tans were constables recruited into the RIC as reinforcements. So specifically, the reinforcements during they the are reinfor- yeah. So these, these, so they came in. So there weren't any uniforms uh, for them. So these are these are men who fought in World War One, who'd been brought in as backup, and were being paid. Okay. They were essentially mercenaries. So they did work for the RIC, but they were they worked part of it. Yeah, but yeah. they were they were they yeah. But when we talk about the RIC, we're talking about the RIC. The black and tans were this this separate thing that sort of had fought fought by their own rules and were right, a lot more right. a lot more brutal again because they were conscripted soldiers so you wouldn't say so not so every black and tan was RIC but not every RIC was a black and tan that sort of way. Uh yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um so there again so a revolutionary is taken away and shot and what happens is this starts to fester. In fact, it was Lloyd George said to him after he'd killed him, he says, you fool, these people love a martyr. You know, because <laughs> you got all this amazing music and all these amazing poems and all, you know, so tragic. And, yeah. and you know, just this idea, James Connolly had been shot in the ankle. So they had to, when he when they took him out to be shot, they tied him to a chair in a blindfold. You know, it's, 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 yeah. it was just, oh, a complete disaster for them. Complete yeah. and utter mistake. Complete oh, mistake because they made oh it was because they turned this they turned this military disaster into this tragedy they turned it into this national tragedy where these you know men who everyone in Dublin knew and they killed them everybody in Dublin knew these people and they killed them and so it's now yeah. you bastards how dare you do this to ours Michael Collins an enormous amount of these people are taken away and interned in England and they're held. And one of the people they interned was a young Michael Collins. Michael Collins worked in the post office. And so what he got to do was learn who everybody was, understand how to organize things. And he came back to Ireland, a very handsome man. And he came back. Yeah, holy crap, he sure he, is. Oh, yeah. Re- look look up his wanted po- Look up Michael Collins' wanted poster. Okay. Read this. Look up Michael Collins, and I'll read it to you here, because this is, this is the most fantastic wanted poster you've ever heard in your entire life but Collins come back and what Collins was was essentially was an incredibly efficient killer the other fellas had been poets 
and philosophers and you know great thinkers and stuff but no no michael collins didn't leave us money writings but he was very good at killing the people that needed to be killed that's what huh. he was good at what's that i'm trying to i'm, I'm looking at different ones uh see so i'll just find it, uh... it, it, there's a few of them is this the one you're thinking of let me see how you back up there. Want to post? I, I look this up on a regular basis. So. Okay. And for anybody listening, instead of just watching, we're just looking at a poster of a an attractive Kennedy-esque looking man. So the Mike, Michael Collins wanted poster reads. Okay. Michael Collins, height 5'11, complexion fresh, age 28, strong jaw, brown hair, which curls into which hangs in a kiss curl over gray blue eyes strong physique boyish smile dangerous <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so whoever wrote that poster was very clearly in love with him um yeah, seriously yeah, but yeah you get it he just says he was just he just is a man who just just he was a true alpha male he exuded energy um so what we have now is the war of independence under Michael Collins, and it's been fought because what what uh, what Pierce had tried to do is Pierce tried to have a traditional war. You know, he was going to line up his army, and they were going to take shots, and we we're going to take shots, and we're going to, you know, when 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 Pierce uh, surrendered, he handed over his sword over to the army. You know, he's he, he loved this idea of the formality of it, and you've yeah. seen wars as a, as a beautiful thing. Whereas Collins came in. And he uh, seen the person he wanted to shoot, and he shot him in the back of the head, and he went on. He was an efficient killer who mm-hmm. understood what had to be done, and he went and done that. And very brutal, very brutal. Had men killed in front of their wives. Um, well, one of the things he no, but this is how you win wars. This yeah, is right. the reality. Colonization. And, and, yeah, no, it's it's it's. Um, what Collins did what was a serious problem for the IRA throughout its entire history was touts, what we refer to as a tout, someone, a, a rat, someone who talks to the police. Collins yeah. went around and killed those people. So it means, okay. no, you're going to rat. No, we're going we're going to kill you then. And that has a that has a cultural purpose. It really does. That it has a cultural purpose of uh, hmm. of you know, from a, if, if there's a standard in society that if you, if you rat, then you'll get killed, then people aren't, they're not yeah, going to, you're less, you're less likely, but it was, it was throughout, um, just throughout history. It was people just, um, going to authorities or talking to somebody or just talking where they shouldn't have been talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no cons cleared out those people. Um, and was just very, very effective at killing the people that need to be killed. Um, uh, we eventually get to uh, the so w- 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 we get come to a point where uh, Collins is sent to England to, to deal with have to have the peace agreement, and um, so I'm just I'm sort of like just jumping through these periods here. So Collins comes to the peace agreement, sent to England. It's argued whether he should have been because he wasn't a statesman. Um, but um, it's hard to know who who actually could have been sent. Who who, who you know? It, but anyway, Collins is sent to England to 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 negotiate the deal. Now, what they wanted was a thirty-two uh, county Irish Republic. That's what they set out for. Um, what they were offered, Lloyd George offered them, was 
a 26 county uh, free state. So they're still going to remain in, within uh, under the crown. They'll still have to take oaths to the king. Um, but they would have autonomy. And there'll be, you know, bits and pieces. You know, there was, it, it came with a lot of strings attached, but essentially you're going to control 26 of the 32 counties. Right. Um, this, and what Lloyd George said, he goes, um, he holds up two, he goes, I have in my hand two letters. Uh, this one creates an Irish free state and this, an announcement of total war. So he'd send 100,000 British soldiers in to just take over, you know. So it's just like, so uh, Collins had no options. And I've heard people argue back and forward now that now they really, Britain didn't have the fight in them anymore. They'd lost so many in World War One. They didn't care that much that maybe you could have. I've heard people make that argument, but if I was Collins, I would have took the 26 counties too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it can go fuck itself at that point. Yeah, so, it, it's it, it, it's it, it's it's this sort of issue where we um where Collins had um and this this issue is that, that Ulster was at maybe eighty percent Protestant, maybe 80 percent Protestant in the nineteen twenties, right. um, and that has an effect where then that affects the free state itself going forward. Maybe you don't want all thirty two counties at that point. Yes, this is this is actually this is a problem because like back to Canada, dude. Canada's yeah. because of the French. Yeah, Quebec. Yeah, this is yeah, a similar Quebec sort of thing. And, yeah. It's actually good for North American conservatives because since Quebec is its own thing, they team up with uh, the the most conservative provinces, which is Alberta, Manitoba, and Ontario. Not Ontario. Excuse me, uh, Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, and they they have a they're able to stop a lot of stuff as a coalition against the Toronto-led liberal Prime Minister Blackface government. But sorry, continue. Yeah. We weren't talking about Canadian nationalism, <laughs> no. Irish nationalism. That's for another but, day. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Megan. Uh, so we have this. Um, so it, it, like uh, Devil Era had talked about, like I mean, this because they wanted to create a Gaelic Catholic. Um, it was basically creating. Uh, in Irish Israel, it's going to like reinstate that. And if you had to deal with a pile of unionist Protestants, you weren't going to be fit to do that. Now they weren't fit to do it, right? Uh, <laughs> even with them, but uh, even without them. But um, this is sort of the thinking. So we we end up nineteen twenty, the Irish uh, Free States created and Northern Ireland's created. Now, um, well, I'm sorry. Quick note on that, though. Doesn't does Northern Ireland then essentially continue with the same form of government that all of Ireland was before then, or is it a new thing on its own? Because Ireland was a kingdom under the UK so, for like three years at that point. So uh, Parliament set up in Stormont. It's going to be a Protestant Parliament for a Protestant people. Um, so and essentially just works you know, by itself, does its own thing. Um, so, um, so I'll just jump back, uh, 400 years, I'm sorry, 300 years at that point, we have the plantation to the plantation of Ulster. Um, so, uh, one of our high Kings of Ulster was Hugh O'Neill. Hugh O'Neill had a rebellion, uh, against, um, Elizabeth. He loses this, um, 
And so because Ireland had become, Ulster in particular, had become such a problem for the English, what they decided to do was um, a plantation. So they decided to take loyal Protestant, Protestant, Protestants from North England and Scotland and send them over uh, to Ulster and colonize, take over the area, because then you don't have to, you can trust them more so than you can trust uh you know the Irish native population. This is where this is where our Protestants came from. Um, so, um, jumping back, we then have a period of so for the next few years, our, the the Republic of Ireland, nineteen fifties, that was announced a republic became changed from being a free state to the Irish Republic fairly stagnant very rural in fact you can watch documentaries of english people in the 1960s going you can come to ireland and get a taste of the past look at this man and his horse and buggy blah blah blah, blah. you know oh, oh, you know th this sort of idea it stayed very rural um stayed very catholic and um not an enormous amount uh for better and for worse not an enormous amount of development but you have an enormous amount of emigration people heading to america and australia and england um northern ireland however uh as the you have a, a tiered s s system so we have like a our democracy is basically works off uh, houses so you got to vote if you own two but sorry if you own two businesses uh you got two votes for your business so you um and because protestants owned all the businesses protestants got much more votes. The system was gerrymandered, so the Catholics areas didn't. For the vast majority of the Catholic, the handful of the Catholic politicians were voted and got absolutely next to nothing put through. And we start to see this massive, massive divide. So where the troubles kicks off, so we could come into the 1960s, the 1970s, um, where there's an enormous amount of you know investment you know this idea if we're going to start building up building housing estates building houses putting money into these areas um so all conflict is essentially uh two ethnic groups competing over a limited amount of resources so we have um and like no no one was so we talk about the poor catholics but the protestants weren't any better off so you have a limited amount of resource to go around limited amount of houses limited amount of jobs and everyone's just competing for them. So this kicks off. Um, it starts to create more tension, more violence. Um, before the Troubles, it was normal enough to have housing estates with Catholics and Protestants living in them. There's now areas of Belfast where um, still there's more pe what we refer to as peace walls, massive barriers up between uh, Catholic right. and Protestant households. Um uh, they're more them, keeping them divided. I mean, they, they they still exist. They don't. I mean, but am I correct in thinking that they don't? There isn't as much tension as there used to be. I, I know that um, we're not at the I, modern era yet. We're we're still in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, we have we haven't come we haven't come to the troubles yet. So I mean, like the peace walls. So uh, the the troubles kicks off. Um, in fact, what, what would be the? So we still have. Like, the kind of thing we're talking about a lot of murals no on murals well. so this is the peace wall here. if you click on one of those those are those are the peace walls but those haven't the point i'm at yet they haven't they haven't quite went up yet so you yeah. still have 
in the 50s, 60s, you have Catholics and Protestants still like living in housing estates beside each other. Um, and this comes, yeah, this comes. These are a lot of this stuff's very, very recent actually. It's since the, I think the majority of the peace walls went up since the 2000s in the last 20 years. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. I'm, I'm. Uh, okay, so I was no, thinking about something else, but this is no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're right enough in, in, in a way. It, it's, okay. it, it's Belfast's very different than where I'm. I'm, I'm rural, you know. So it's oh, okay. lots of areas. In fact, it's, it's sort of like these. These are like fairly impoverished areas. Nobody works. Nobody's working. You know, three or four generations. Nobody knows anybody who has a job. You know, that sort of way. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's that's the that's what you do is you throw stones over the wall um but it's um okay so we get into the period of the troubles yeah what we refer to as the troubles go ahead i pulled it down i'm i'm bringing up the troubles so the troubles what is the troubles to you and you're from northern ireland the troubles from northern ireland in northern ireland troubles is what happened in northern ireland so um and it's a political entity. A lot of people would also call it the North of Ireland. A lot of so right. Catholics would refer to it as the the North of Ireland rather than rather than because the Northern Ireland is a state within the UK and it's sort of like a rejection of that to say it's not the Northern Ireland; it is the North of Ireland. Um, the island and the Republic. Yeah. In so hopes. So I so people who just sort of like it's almost like a little rejection of the creation of, yeah. of the existence of Northern Ireland, saying the North of Ireland. Um. We have uh, a period of, uh, which again, like violence is is just fairly regular. Um, police violence is fairly regular. This stuff, these tensions just keep building and keep building back and forward. We then a have discrepancy of police violence. Uh, police like are ninety nine percent Protestant. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, funny so because. Have, in the United States, yeah, yeah. It's like a stereotype <laughs> that Irish become cops, like yeah, the, the party, yeah, yeah, it's the party. I'm sure you've seen Boston. Irish oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah so nobody knows right. whether they're called party wagons because there was parties in the front and parties in the back. Yeah, um, yeah. that's us, bro. That's my culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 we have the RIC, which had been the I, Royal Irish Constabulary, became the RUC, the R, uh, the Royal Ulster Constabulary. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, internment is brought back in uh, as a way to sort of like deal with these sort of like building tensions. What internment is basically you just arrest a bunch of people, you hold them, and then, you know, you hold them indefinitely. So um, uh, there's an internment. So like uh, the, um, the internment comes in again. There's like 300 odd Catholic, 360 or something odd Catholics arrested and held without charge. Two Protestants held that charge. So you can sort of see uh, where the the discrepancy was here. So yes, this is um, where the Fifth Amendment comes from in the U.S. Done by the exact same people, by the way. <laughs> they know what the Fifth Amendment is. You're not allowed. We literally have an amendment in the United States. I don't know if you're aware of it. That is because the British government did that to American revolutionaries. Yeah. They made it um, part of our Constitution that you're not allowed to hold people without charge. Uh, it doesn't stop them from doing it today because yeah. they do it, but uh, yeah, yeah, technically you're, right you're not you're supposed to be allowed. To. 
So uh, what happens is uh, we have the, the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Movement sort of begins out of this, and we they begin to have marches, marching against internment. They're all over the place. They're in Straban, they're in Oma, uh, but there's one in, in Derry City starts. Now, these, these marches had been made illegal, and uh, for whatever reason, so the power tripper, so the power parachute brigade, the portion of the British military, is mm-hmm. there placing it. And yeah. so interestingly, the the British army had actually been asked over by Robert Fitt, who was a a national not nationalist, but a asked if he was part of the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Movement because they thought, okay, we'll bring over the British army. They are um, indifferent to it, so it's like they can police this better than. The Ulst, then the police can. So yeah. they come over. I know what's coming. They don't know what's coming, but I know what's coming. Yeah. So I mean, this is I mean, this has happened happened throughout. Um. So you so the day before. So okay. So what what people essentially put it down to is the first wave of British soldiers come in. Um. They. It's what 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 what, what was the game when they talked about in Iraq? You had the game. Uh, in Iraq. In Iraq, America talked about like I can't remember the term that was used over and over again, but it's about gaining like trust and building like relationships. Oh, the hearts and, and the hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. So, so they had done that job. In fact, there's Republic streets that are Catholic, and British soldiers were having cups of tea in Catholic areas, helping you know look after keeping keeping the law. The second wave. Tensions had been growing, and now the second wave had come in, and the second wave hadn't got sort of climatized to what was going on. Um, and we end up what happens on Bloody Sunday. So okay. we have a, <laughs> yeah, so we have a, a peaceful march against internment. So world media is there. Um, and f- for some reason, the British soldiers paratroopers uh, open fire onto an unarmed crowd. Now they yeah. claimed that they were returning fire and there was never any evidence of that. In fact, and and well, I think the media reported the BBC. British media did, yeah. but uh, the world They reported that they were in self-defense of course. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, there were people me, who were sorry, shot. Off the 26 who were shot, 13 were shot in the back while running away. Uh, one man had a bullet in his leg and then in his hand and into his face as he reached up to cover up his face. So no, these were these were executions. Um, now we can you can put it up to you had you, you I, I like my issue like what, what happened that day. So so like you could go like full blown and go well no what happened was Britain went these parties keep acting up put them in the place or this was soldiers in a tight situation and they i like i i can't get my head my mind into the space of the soldier who, who just opens fire into the crowd i um, have a hard time personally yeah. believing that parachute infantry broke discipline as opposed to a regular army unit i mean yeah, these yeah. are it, oh, it's oh i'm sorry wait a minute for parachute infantry for us these guys are this is these are special forces not just I'm not sure. The paratroopers are just the parachute. They're the boys who are trained to parachute into places. Okay. So I don't know how, but again, they were, they're, they're higher up than regular army. 
Right. Anyway. So the, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a U.S. Uh, Marine Corps veteran, by the way. A lot oh, of right. our listeners are uh, veterans as well. But I, I, I want to make the distinction because th- there are some distinctions. Like a U.S. Marine is not like a special forces guy, mm-hmm. but a British Royal Marine is. So I don't, I don't know all the differences. Um, I wouldn't be. Able yeah. To so these there. guys, Air, Airborne Infantry Regiment of the British Army, but they're part of Special Forces Group, which, which is okay. So this is 2006, though. Okay. Wait, the SAS to provide support to the SAS. Okay, so yeah, these guys are elite. I mean, they should have enough discipline not to open fire on mm-hmm. civilians. So you wouldn't expect it from them as opposed to regular army. They're more disciplined, more yeah. trained. Is the point I'm trying to get at? But sorry, so, continue. So basically, this is this is where the troubles start. So the IRA went from this very small, maybe dozens of active members to thousands of active members right. um, in a night. Um, and this is the provisional IRA. This is the second So this one is a provisional. Okay, so basically we have um, the old IRA, which is the IRA of Michael Collins, was the IRA started in the Easter Rising. So the IRA was a combination of the Irish Republican Brotherhood and the Irish um, Civilian Army came together and they created a new entity, the Irish Republican Army. Um. We have and them. they fought to create a single state for Irish nationalism. That's yeah, right. that's that that yeah, that's, that's what was their plan. And so they kept on existing in the nineteen fifties. Um, they carried out what's called the border campaign. They were very Marxist, failed miserably. Um, it's sort of like Irish republicanism. It sort of become like almost embarrassing because of like mm-hmm. it, people did not associate it with did not associate with the history of it and um. So we have, you know, years of that. So people really not been attached to it. So we have then a breakaway in Sinn Féin. So we have a, a Sinn Féin uh, is the old Sinn Féin. We then we then create uh, the provisional. So the Sinn Féin that's now today is 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 the breakaway group. Is the provisional Sinn Féin. Yeah. Um. Uh. And the provisional IRA are the breakaway from the old IRA. So this is young for, and then the old IRA ended up becoming like the Irish Workers Party or something like that. There, it's become some irrelevant lefty party. Um. So, That's us. We, yeah. <laughs> so we end up. Uh, so the, the troubles kicks off. So over the next thirty years, three thousand six hundred people are killed. Um. Uh, it largely peaked. The most violence happened in the seventies, but then just the one thing I want to the eighties. The one thing I want to get into is that, like these these three columns here. This um, and for those listening, there, there's there the force. This is in Northern Ireland, so it's part of the United Kingdom. Um, what you might colloquially call England or Britain or whatever. It's it's part of this political entity. But Northern Ireland is a part of that. It's one of the main four parts of it, England, Scotland, Wales. So there are the state security forces, and this is the army and the Royal Ulster Constabulary, which is like their their federal police force, similar to the Mounties in Canada. So then you have this, and then there's a second column, and and that is these are um, Republican paramilitaries, and they're heavily associated with Catholics. Um, And then you have a third column, and that third column, this is the... uh, Protestant paramilitaries and the Protestant militaries, um, the UDA, the UVF, um, these are Protestant 
Catholic organizations there, or I'm sorry, Protestant Irish. Like they are the, the, the people that are from Northern Ireland. A lot of them are ethnically background, um, is Scottish. There are a lot of Scots Irish in this that are Scottish people that moved into Ireland maybe 300 years ago. Um, and that's, those are the Protestant paramilitaries and those are unionists. They want to remain in the union. The other paramilitaries, they are Republicans. They want to usually join the uh, Irish Republic for all 32 counties. Or are there some that wanted their own country? Did that was that a thing? Doesn't matter. Mostly no, no, that it wasn't. No, it was Republican. Yeah, unionists wanted to remain part of the union. Republicans wanted to uh, yeah. join the Irish Republic. The unionists are Protestant, and the Republicans are Catholic, mostly. Yeah. But we, uh, yeah. Um, so what we wind up with is 30 years. So uh, the IRA think they're going to have like a, a fairly heavy, you think they're going to do this in a couple of years. They're going to drive uh, the British soldiers out and then they're going to have just a war, a civil war in Northern Ireland. That was sort of the thinking. That didn't happen. So Britain just, no, we were here for the long slog. So they decided to carry out a, a war of attrition and started going to England. So started bombing things, bombing English cities and said, yeah. Um, this goes on for years. Uh, not much changes. We have our first peace agreement, which is Sunningdale. It fails. Uh, a few years later, we end up with the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, which eventually set up set up the the status quo that we currently have. So we have a power sharing government, uh, first minister and a deputy first minister. Uh, so one has to be unionist, one has to be nationalist. Um, the orange men arrive universal. To Is orange men just a universal term or first basic? Okay, so the orange men are um, the ro the loyal orange order so um they were uh sort of like um the masons you know the masons you go to your your masons club you uh drink with these people you i really hope you're them. watching this because they look like a bunch of nerds man i mean uh, this is what they look like yeah but this is this is this is because there are people sort of outside their time because this was the norm you put on a sash, you yeah. played a lambeg drum, and you went for a march. This is what people did before Netflix. Um, yeah. So the Orange Order was um, just basically a Protestant working man's group. And, you know, Protestants looking after the interests of Protestants. So that's who they were. So um, uh, not all Protestants are Orange men, but all orange men are protestants that's nice sort of right. let's keep using that yeah that's yeah, yeah. Let's keep... <laughs> um, but yeah at this time there are you know there th this is when like the term irish car bomb comes from because the ira mm -hmm. is they're committing they are they are terrorist attacks a terrorist mm -hmm. but and i want to say okay so terrorism right so i've talked about this on the show before but but the idea of terrorism Terrorism does have to do with uh, an act of violence being committed, but but the designation of violence that's committed as terrorism, it's not dependent on the violence itself, what type of violence. What the dependent factor is, is whether the organization that is committing that violence has the status and legitimacy of a state. 
So when the Irish, when the Northern Irish who are trying to become part of a state, um, a, a Northern Irish IRA, the Irish Republican Army, in this case, the PIRA, which is the provisional IRA, their status as a terrorist has to do with the fact that they're not legitimized as a normal organization. Whereas you take a group like the Taliban, right? So the Taliban, are they, they do commit terrorist attacks, right? But in 30 years, no one's even going to think about the idea that the Taliban is not the governing organization of Afghanistan and they're legitimate. So when the Taliban commits a crime, it's considered terrorism because they are a political organization that doesn't have that legitimacy. When the United States does something like, you know, burns down a village in My Lai in Vietnam or uh, blows up a compound and burns a few dozen people alive in Waco, Texas, and it's in its own place or bombs a, uh, a wedding in Yemen, uh, several weddings in Yemen, or extrajudicially kills a 15-year-old American citizen in uh, Yemen without trial, it's not considered terrorism, not because the United States is anything other than like, uh, not, not because of what that violence is, it's because of the legitimacy of the United States being as a state. Okay, so, but yes, terrorist attacks in England by the IRA in order to create support for, um, in, in order to to advance this this idea of Irish nationalism, right? Yeah, so it, it largely, for the most part, doesn't work. It, Britain just, it strengthens Britain's resolve. I mean, it's like, the, the, you know, whatever, when the Luftwaffe bombed Birmingham, you know, it's to break their spirits, didn't break their spirits, it just made people more resolved. Right. So it's just sort of like, it just sort of made people angrier. Um, and England, for the most part, just didn't care. Um. So uh, we go through this 30 years. We get to the peace in the late 90s. We get to a Good Friday. So we have the SDLP, which is Socialist Democratic Labour Party, um, led by John Hume. And John Hume is sort of this in-between. He's going to Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness, Ian Paisley, and, 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 and all of these, and Tony Blair and Bertie Ahern and all these players. And he's trying to negotiate some sort of peace that everybody's going to be happy with. Um, by that period and earlier, the 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 IRA is uh, the the army, the um, uh, had, had basically come to the conclusion this what they weren't going to win this thing. They were just sort of like pissing in the wind at this point. But you had like a lot of like still you had a lot of like hardliners who weren't who were ready to die, who weren't going to ever give up. So you, you have this, like, for Sinn Féin, you have, like, this sort of, like, okay, we have to try to, like, work this somehow. They were, you know, trying to, like, keep the hardliners in order and, um, but at the same time sort of, like, work towards something. Um, Good Friday, because the, the issue for the Unionists is they were always just giving up power because Unionists had all the power, so any negotiation was them giving up power. So it was never ever good for them. Yeah, and everything was always benefit for the nationalists. But then the, the the big thing is, um, the demographic shifts were happening. So right. uh, and they still Protest are. Yeah, Catholics they still are. are. Uh, yeah, so a Catholic family. I come from a family of six, and that was never. Uh, that was never. That wasn't considered big. That you know, whatever generation ago. Right. 
My um, mother comes from seven, but she's an apostate, so it's just me here. <laughs> so she, uh, um, so uh, but then Protestants were having, you know, you know, one and a half children or whatever. So, uh, so the demographic shift. So you had like the demographic shifts happening. You had the economic, the world economics, the economic, you know, the economy was shifting and changing. You know, suddenly people were fit to go to work. You know, suddenly people were fit to get jobs. Um, uh, Seamus Malin, my father, had been interested in getting involved in politics. And Seamus Malin, um, Seamus Malin, who's a civil rights lawyer here, he, he, went, he says, there's enough people doing politics, go home and build a factory, make jobs for Catholics. Um, yeah, so that's what he did. Um, and this is like, all right, so people can go get work. They can after their home that you know you're, you're no longer there's a you know everybody's not fighting over this you know the small pie there's there's enough stuff to go around and the conflict had just sort of burnt itself out we had a, an agreement that was it done enough it, the, the problem with the good friday agreement ultimately is and again it was not even the problem it's it's why it worked is it wasn't the solution it was just like okay this will do for now and then we'll work right. the rest of it out later on and we've never worked the rest of it out. Yeah. But, um, so I wonder if this really has to do with economic factors, because what, what I think a lot of people don't realize in the United States, especially, but but I think people in general, since people, they tend to not really understand the, the changes in time themselves if they didn't live through it in the same way that they would. So like Ireland was still very much very, very poor, poorer than the rest of the, the developed world in the 60s and 70s. Um, and it really isn't until Reaganomics in the eighties where Ireland, like, and then, I mean, this accelerates after the, the troubles, but, but really like the, there was a real Irish economic growth that kind of closed the gap with a lot of other Western European countries. And yeah, that, that was EU, that was Ireland joining the EU growing up, see me growing up, our Republic of Ireland was, it's not just the economy because uh, the Republic of Ireland okay. was noticeably poorer than it, North, Northern Ireland. So we would go caravanning to Sligo and Ross's Point, and you would know who was from the Republic and who was from the North by who had the nicer caravan. Right. A right, caravan. Right. So I don't know if Americans know what a caravan is. Like a, well, a, a, a camper. Trailer. We would call it a camper. A camper. Yeah. Yeah, a camper trailer. So, but it's um, in the U.S. Okay, so the the difference is though in um in Western in Europe, um, caravanning is considered a a low class activity, right? More so, and in the U.S., it's not. Caravan, no caravan. You go caravan holidays. No, it's just like it's a holiday. It's a nice holiday to go on. I think I'm getting that from Top Gear. Oh I'm no, it's not. Gear. All right, it's not even. No, it's not low class. They hit being I stuck Jeremy behind. Specifically yeah. said that I couldn't be he listening. Hates, to him. He hits caravaning because he gets stuck behind them on the road. Oh, okay, so just like cyclists. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's like cyclists. That's what okay. it is. Oh, he um, definitely. I definitely thought that it was considered that because I heard Jeremy Clarkson say that ten years ago, and he was just making fun of him, taking the piss. Yeah, no, I think no, I think I, I, maybe in England, maybe there's there's a there's a different okay. standard, but uh, got it. Yeah, no, no, I've been many a caravan holiday. But um, I love them. Yeah, but it's it's so so the Irish public was traditionally like you know uh, per the Northern Ireland because you still had all this Britain money coming in. Um, 
so it's not all. I mean, like there was fellas. So, so the poverty, the economic end, like what causes conflict, isn't just economics. So there were lads coming in from housing estates and British soldiers coming from Birmingham. And Birmingham was a now, but it's a again. And they were coming into Derry and coming into Belfast, and they were looking, you know, the Irish crying poverty, and they're like, "You're better off than me. I don't know. I don't see how you're poor." But it's not. It's not. It's not just. It's. It's. It's two separate ethnic groups competing over limited resources. So the, yeah, the it's Irish a Catholic, thing. Yeah, 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 it's relative. It's it's it's. So when you're living in Cork or Kerry, and everyone around you is fairly poor, and the people who are doing well off you are still your own people, they're, they're still going to mass with you. You know, they're still in in that same boat with you. When you're an Irish Catholic and there's a a, a a Protestant living, you know, up the road doing much better than you, and he's no smarter than you, and he's no better than you, but he's just doing better because the system's rigged in his favor. Well, that causes resentment. That causes hatred. Um, and relativity is, is very important. <laughs> I talk about this all the time, but relativity is way more important than absolute terms. It's the only thing that matters. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, it's the only thing that matters. Yeah, it's, it's it's sort of that's that's that bad thing with television where it's sort of like setting up. You know, you, you could be like very happy in your hut in Africa, and then you watch an episode of Friends and look at how fucking look at look at the size of uh, Monica and Chandler's apartment. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah, how great is that? It, it, it's it's um yeah. So it's again. So I I I put all nearly all conflict two ethnic groups competing over limited amounts of resources, and once the resources are like more evenly spread, then it decreases the likelihood of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, it's not, it doesn't explain everything, but it's if you look at any civil war, if you look, you know, um, it, it, it explains most, right? But, um, and, and there's a demoralizing <laughs> element to that, right? oh, yeah, yeah, totally. extraordinarily demoral, and, and it's purposeful. I mean, that's what it was intended for. It's it's a playbook of settler colonialism, it's tied in. Also, we never got into this, but it tied into some of these other laws in the 1600s that continued that didn't really have to at a certain point because mm-hmm. they had been so successful. They, I mean, they they not only stopped Catholics from owning land, but they stopped Catholics from, uh, they stopped Catholics from uh, speaking their own language, which is very important. We talk about that all the time. Not here. So it's okay. There's a fantastic book of poetry called a farewell to English. Right. And he's, it's a, it's an Irish poet and he's, he's um, given up English and he's going to go live off and just speak Irish from now. I can't remember his name at the top of my head, but he's talking about the English language. And he said, uh, he referred to it as no better language to sell pigs in. Yeah. So what basically it was, why the Irish language died off was English is the language of commerce. Right. If you want to, so, so, so there were, you didn't need to put laws into place because essentially. I mean, they, like, they did put laws into place, but the economic incentive also. Uh, uh, massively. It, it's, 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 it's probably like, larger. It really oh, is a large, much, much yeah. larger because it, it, it's, it just makes it the first the thing like, that proves right. So the incentive, the economic incentive, absolutely, it mm-hmm. it it goes over. But what there were English laws that were put into place that stopped people from speaking the language, and that was done purposely. And and what that demonstrates, it wasn't the biggest factor. It definitely is the economic factor that that in culture it was more profitable to speak English, so they did. Um, but it does show that the English and there's other instances of this in settler colonialism were two things that they were aware that banning the language and stopping its speaking. And this is, this is something that's been done to indigenous people in the U S Mexico, Canada, Australia, 
that it is something that does, um, it has a demoralizing effect on a people and over time it will take away their language versus a connection to their culture. It shows that they understood that and that they wanted um, that to be done to the to the people that they were taking the language away from. It shows that there was intent behind it. Um, but yeah, sorry, Buck, keep going. I just, mm-hmm. for the sake of the cultural anthropology show, I got to <laughs> say that. <laughs> um, so I, so, so I, I, I don't know if there are any, ever any actual laws against Irish or speaking Irish. So I don't know if there actually were any. Um, we'll just continue that and I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll confirm that right now because I might be that. Yeah, no, it's it's it just came no, because it it just came down. If you wanted a job, you had to speak English, so you spoke English. And I feel like our preciousness around language is a luxury that um, other people just didn't have. You, you know, people just were less precious around their own language. It was, it was language is fundamentally for them a a method of, of moving information out of my head into your head. Um, um, you know, but it's it's again, I can't speak Irish, and it's my greatest regret. I need to sort that well, out. It, so, right, right, and I mean, I I would like to as well, at least a little bit. You know, there's just a free a few phrases. It's it's normal in New England because we're mostly um, Irish descendants. Like people say "slancha," which is "slancha." Yeah, yeah. Cheers. It's just one thing. It, it's yeah, one word. It's so funny because it's I only ever hear Irish Americans say "slancha." Really? So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't say it here, but I'm mean, sure. I, it, it, it's, it's uh, um, so Irish American. So when I say like a specifically, I'm Irish American. Yeah. It's like, there's a, when, when populations are blank Americans, there's a, there's, it's a selection of a population that's, that's smaller. And it usually left at a certain time. So like my, I mean, my mom is 100% Irish. But she's also fourth generation American on some of her side. So like four yeah. generations of just Irish people in America banging each other is is where I am from. Yeah. I mean, I have one grandma that was Irish, but a lot of them weren't like a lot of them are way back. And the immigration mostly oh, almost 90 percent of it, the culture was established um, in different areas, especially Boston Irish, which is a thing. Mm-hmm they were established by like the 1920s and then they evolve on their own. So there's like, not only is it a selected population in a certain place, but like coming from a different time. And then there's been a hundred years of, of separate development. And of course there, there are interactions between the North American diaspora and Ireland itself, but mostly mm-hmm. separately. So, so they become their own thing. So, I mean, that doesn't surprise but we, me. But we, the thing as well, we have that constant trip because that Irish, um, Irish head in America never stopped. It was just right. This, it's constant. So there's this constant connection. Yeah, it isn't like so, if if you have a group that's moved away and has broke off and they're separate for four hundred years and you can sort of see that evolve and change and it, it find its own things. But the fact that, that that there was that constant connection and people right, moving right, back right, and right. forward and stuff mainly forward. Mainly yeah, to America. So it's a big factor. The the underlying yeah. belief in like the creation of a separate identity then with continued interaction, which does influence mm-hmm. it. It's the idea of this uh, this writer, uh, Colin Woodard, who established, um, and it, this is applying the idea of his theory. This is the American nations thing. Of there, there are different places in America that had an, an established culture that, when it was established, it was a certain thing, and waves influenced it. But that there is something non arbitrarily different about that underlying culture that was created. But yeah, a hundred percent. There's been 
interaction between them. But there there are things, there's a certain percentage of things that are specific to Irish Americans mm-hmm. and not to Irish and vice versa. Oh yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Um yeah. Um it, it's that um but it's 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 still it's that connect I don't that connection still there because you you still go over to America, been to Boston any number of times. I have family friends who've you know yeah. made their fortunes in America, live yeah, over yeah. there. Um, uh, the money coming back and forth, the money kept the IRA right. going for for years. Um, <laughs> it, it's, you don't like to talk about that. People don't like to talk about that. No, which yeah, there was something happened in the like two thousand one that changed that. Yeah. Um, yes. Before, <laughs> but I know it was um, the, the. But it, it, it's um, it's interesting. Like, so, uh, but that that sort of like brings us up into like modern Northern Ireland. So we have the peace process. Uh, the 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 RUC, the police changed it to the police service of Northern Ireland. So we have it. They had goals of having like fifty percent Catholic, but for the most part, still predominantly Protestant Catholics have not uh, yeah. really went into it. Um, oh. we have you know the economy is still sort of pretend, but um, it's fairly stable. Um, uh, there's you know still you know the sort of the poorer ends of Belfast. You'd be a lot of sectarian and people wouldn't interact with one another. Um, so but- so in in Northern Ireland, right? So we're getting to after the troubles. There are yeah. Catholic neighborhoods, specifically in Belfast, but but elsewhere. Like in the city in Belfast, there are walls between, and, and they are segregated neighborhoods of yes. Catholic and Protestants. Yes. And there was violence between them in the past. Of course, remember, there are not only paramilitaries, but also paramilitaries on both sides, um, mm-hmm. terrorist attacks on both sides, atrocities on both sides. Seriously, like it was not a fun time to be there. It's not good. It's not a good thing to exist under violence. Of course, there are justifications for it, and sometimes it happens. But um, again, if we see this, like the, the justification, I, there was a, a period when I was like, when I was 16, 16, it's sort of frustrates people. But I was like reading about whatever atrocity it was and I was getting very cross about it. I said, if I'm genuinely interested in understanding this, I have to read Irish history as if I was reading about, you know, Caesar and the Gauls. You know, I have to like be very separate from it and just sort of look at it not as this is my thing, but as an outside entity and so i look at it and go oh this is how human beings interact under certain pressures yeah um right so so the constant sort of back and forth and you know because this sort of like other oh, atrocities and both i'm just like here's what happened this is this is how it is and this is why it happened but understanding that it's like i'm so i'm like incredibly yeah. opposed to mass immigration incredibly opposed and this through this it's like oh I because it was two separate ethnic groups pushed up against each other limited resources so once the economy stops being good and you've brought in all these other ethnic groups what's going to happen there I can't see that being good so it, yeah. it's like you have to like it, it's understanding why uh, uh, unemotionally understanding why these things happen and then you can make right. good decisions in the future to try to prevent because it's you know it's, it's horrifying it's like you know you know some lad going out not coming home and a mother having to grieve over that it's horrifying yeah but but we, we... okay so let me back up for a second let me establish like what we're talking about then because right the the troubles ending the good friday agreements 1999 right yes so we're talking about like within 
most of the people listening to this podcast are in their late 20s, 30s, 40s. So mm -hmm. like everyone, this is with, oh, oh, I'm still going. Sorry. Okay, uh, so this is, uh, this is still going on right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's recent memory and <clears throat> like people don't want to live and you shouldn't want to live in a state that is violence that, that has violence around you in your everyday life. That's not, it's not a good thing. Um, it's not something that people should strive for, but the point that you're making that I, that I really like is that in certain conditions, um, when there are separations in people, when there, when there is differences in people and those differences can be Catholic and Protestant, they can be religious. The differences can be different ethnic groups. Um, there are certain human conditions that when those human conditions occur, then violence is inevitable. And I agree with you with that. I agree that um, at a certain point, um, people will start committing violence just from a historical standpoint. That's a lot of what I like to do here. Um, and I agree with you. So then what you're talking about also, and, and this is something that they don't report on the news in America. A lot of the people listening might know about this, but not everybody, um, is that there's a lot of immigration uh, into Ireland right now, probably as a much higher percentage than into the United States. And they're importing people from different cultures um, mm -hmm. into Ireland. Uh, and eventually, yes, the economy will go down and that could inevitably lead to violence. Yes. Right. No, it, no, no, it could. It would. It will. This is inevitable. This isn't. There already this is isn't, violence, right? Yeah, so yeah. So, so we have. So what's quite interesting is nationalism post-World War II basically died off all across Europe. And this idea of having an identity and having a people and being connected to your group and, and you know, having a uh, sort of died off um, all across all the powers in Europe. In fact, it became very unfashionable. Whereas it managed to live on in Ireland because of the Troubles and because of our history. Um, and Irish nationalism is so intertwined with uh, socialism and leftism. And then because that became sort of a, a value of the ruling class, Irish nationalism managed to survive. Um, so seeing yourself as, you know, so nationalism is, is, is alive and right. well, not to the point. So over the I, last I few there's years... There's also an element here of like the greater population being like, like victimhood is like trendy right and like yeah, yeah. and it's exported from american culture elsewhere so i think yes. in, in the broader social sphere it's like um it's it's uh it's something that like in the global sphere it, it's something that's like it's not bad to be proud to be irish like because it's because it's a victim it's a it's a victim thing and then it's also the other yeah. side of that is why do they have to have this have their nationality taken and then also it's like hey why do the rest of us have to do it too just because of yeah. some other stuff but yeah there, and there's a story i want to tell you um and then sorry i'll let you get right back into it no, theo no. vaughn man theo vaughn came love yeah i love theo vaughn too and he um so i saw him live with a few friends and we were at a theater outside of boston and he starts like um he starts like asking people like what they're i, I don't know how he got on it but he's like he was making some joke about like like um asking white people where they're really from like whatever yeah. so like we an american person he's like what's your ethnic background or whatever to this guy he's like oh i'm irish and the, and theo vaughn's immediate response was like oh you're one of the we didn't do it whites <laughs> like <laughs> and um yeah uh 
And then he asked three more people and all of them were like Irish. And then he was like, where the hell am I, man? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess he didn't know that, like, um, that it's all ethnically Irish around here. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of that, before you, you go into the rest of that, this was uh, the, the image I have up here. I wanted to show because this is this is in South Boston. It's not in. Oh, is it? I thought it was I thought it was some football club somewhere no this i mean it looks like it's outside of some sort of stadium but this is this is in south boston united states it's a um it's it's a similar type of mural that you would see in northern ireland these murals were put up on the walls um Mm -hmm. of uh you know different heroes martyrs bobby sands who had the hunger strike um the all the the unionists have their own as well they're they're not many not many Um, okay of like they're sort of like Sort of like the artistic, sort of like the unionist stuff is is few and far, but they mainly just stick up union around the place. Um, Got it. Um, they yeah. have a few murals here and there for World War One, World War Two, but it's theirs is very particular. Got it. Yeah. So it's more of a Catholic thing then. Yeah. Yeah. So in this right here, no raid. This is the Irish uh, American Irish American organization that that sent the money over. Um, one of the ones with the connections to the IRA, which is no longer fashionable mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. But yes, so we're talking Irish nationalism, mass immigration from different ethnic groups, and um, the underlying uh, the, the, the underlying point, you know, we just said that. You had established that point, and I agree. So that was, okay, well, so here, so this is, we're into, you know, modern Irish history. So, okay, so um, the Republic of Ireland, traditionally very poor. Um, but Ireland then gets what's his name again? I'll come back to me. Joins the EEC, which will become the become the EU. An enormous amount of funding comes in. It starts to build up. You start to get better road, like the roads. Um, to drive from where I am to Cork could have took you the guts of two days at one point. You know the roads were so bad, you had to drive through every town. You'll do it in five hours and six hours now or whatever now you know it, it's the enormous amount of build-up the, the change in ireland over the last generation has been amazing has been enormous but we have been but i suppose it's like it's uh mono uh ethnic mono uh ethnic nation you know so just irish catholic predominantly yeah monoculture really Mon- is yeah. broader it's not only ethnically but it's also religiously so yeah. we have over the last few years, there's been a massive amount of immigration causing. So like last, it's causing all the issues that you expect, this sort of thing. I, I, I'm off the opinion that like um, you either have an empire or you're part of an empire. So you need to be, because we're currently a part of like sort of like the, the gay American NATO Empire at the moment. That's what we're, we're making that a thing, bro. We're making yeah. it happen. G A E. That is that is what we are living under. Yeah, this is this is the this is the rule the that we're under. Yeah. So um if there was something alternative to that, um I would prefer to be under that empire. Um but again, you're always you're always a part of something. Now, again, a nationality to me is blood, is dirt, it is blood, it is I the soil outside this building, my grandfather plowed. He pulled the rocks out from the ground. He built the walls with those rocks. I am connected to this dirt. That is my nationalism. 
that's what I'm talking about. This is this connection through blood to these people, through this culture. I do not speak the same language to them, but I have that blood. I am connected to the dirt beneath my feet. And that's my nationalism. Um, it's for an American perspective, just so we're clear, anybody listening to this who might not be a super right winger, which is unlikely because that's most of what listens to this, but, but the, if, if this was a native American indigenous person that was saying Mm -hmm. this, then woke liberals would agree with you. They would, they would fully agree. Um, so I, I think that there's a tendency when, when like, when any type of white person is saying something like that from certain elements of, uh, of, of Western society is to, it, yeah, is that know. this is a I bad thing. I don't care. Right. I don't care. Right. Right. Yeah. I doesn't even have to happen at the expense of anyone else. Right. No, it's no, not, it, it's, no, no, this is, this is, yeah. this is the value system of everyone who's ever come before me. Super right wing is present. Yeah. Woo. Uh, no, it, it, it's yeah. agree. People in places. Yeah. It, it's, I want yeah. a nation. Yeah. That's it. I, I'm, I'm a nationalist right. for Nigerians in Nigeria. I'm a nationalist for right. um, Mongolians in Mongolia. And I'm a nationalist for Irish people in Ireland. Yeah. It, 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 it's a, a very like disconnected off this moment. Won't be trendy and say, you know, the people who are like from, from the, you know, river to the sea, Palestine will be free in six weeks time. They will not be fit to remember about palestine you know it's progressivism is just what's currently trendy at this particular yeah. moment in time but what what was the what was the comment there it was just about oh yeah uh reading the history of the british isles 100 percent exposes the delusion of post-colonial marxism irish anglo saxons cornish welsh danish picks are all just white no we're, and, we're all yeah. europeans we're, we're into european people right um, we are so it's um, yeah there's there's that connection obviously we have our own separate distinct things we have our own cultural things we should be connected to those things um because they're old and they they ground us um whereas everything and everything that modernity offers us everything that um capitalism currently offers us is is very cheap and throwaway and it you know it makes you feel good right now and then feel absolutely empty moments afterwards. Yeah, no, it's it's be connected to what is old, be connected to what is real. That's what we're here for. Cultural anthropology. It's what matters. It's uh yeah, giving you back your future through study of the past and other things. Um, that's what I like to do. So there's a I think over time with like changing technology, and when I say technology, I mean like uh you know, all types of technology, not just physical, but also government technology in the sense of different ways of thinking, different ways of governing, um, but also technology and like how it changes the way that we interact. Right. Because like, you know, there was there was this concept during during the the famine, uh, the genocide, when um, there was a uh, uh, an American death or something. There's a phrase for um, Irish people who were coming to America or Canada and they were essentially dying because they in they were never going to talk again because there was no way for them to talk and and there was talking in between them but i this was a term that i re, i remember hearing but with with technology now there's new interactions mm-hmm. um 
across the world. And, and that creates a new environment and that creates new ways of thinking about identity is when we have like um, you have like the idea of race shifts over time and place. So in like in in Asia, if you tell a Japanese person that they're the same race as a Chinese person, they might get very, Chilly. very offended. Right. Yeah. I mean, they at a certain in the 1940s, it probably oh, would yeah, be. A, yeah. Right. But like in the U.S., we think of Asian as a race, not Chinese yeah. or Japanese. But 100 years ago, that wasn't really true. And so a lot of these. these well, creations, these we, now we can we, we can we, you, you can break down people. I mean, like if, if, if I talk. Um, you can break down people in different ways, but which one is most important to them from a priority standpoint changes over time and it, and it can and will change again. It's. It's, it doesn't change that much. Essentially, what, what, how, in my head, how this works, what matters to me is my family, extended family, community. I'm, I'm, I'm moving my hands out here. Like, you can't really say yeah. that. But uh, And then nation. So it's like, oh, I'm connected to these people through, I'm so I'm more blood connected to someone in Galway than I am to someone in London. But then yeah. I'm more connected to someone in London than I am to someone in France than I am to someone in France than I am to someone in Nigeria. Right. Um, so it's like, oh, it sort of like extends out that way. Now, there's, it gets more complicated yeah. than that. But on a ground level, I mean, on the simplest level, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to look out for these things that are closest to me before. Right. I... And, th and that's like what I'm, I'm making a broader anthropological point mm -hmm. in that, like, over time, the 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 identity that people I, identify with and and what you identify with informs like the way that you view the world and how you view other people it's it's very important that really does shift over time i mean you had there were um like like slave plantation owners in the united states and the caribbean who were of english descent who were mm -hmm. referring to themselves as normans Normans, not mm -hmm. English people, but Normans in the 17th century. So this is the 1600s, and the Normans had invaded England in uh, 1066. So it's been hundreds and hundreds of years, and mm -hmm. these people still consider themselves linked to them in the past. That's the way they thought about themselves. And then you have the introduction of nation states, and you have um, you, you have like identities like nationalist movements, like the Irish, like all these these different ones. And, and there are mm -hmm. waves of them in, in how people think about themselves and what they think is most important. And those identities change over time. The mm -hmm. idea that we are like whatever we are, like we think of ourselves as white in the U.S. And that is tied to certain genetic things that are innate as genetics. But the second mm -hmm. we start identifying and calling those things something, then that's human culture. And then it's it's not in the realm of the innate. It's in the realm of uh, the sociocultural and, and how we think about it. Um, and my point with that is uh, the fact that it's a thing for cultural anthropology. But there was also something else. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Someone just said something. Um, there's Pan-Asia types. OK, so this is this is something there were a lot of these cultures around like the late 1800s um, and the early 1900s. There were these. Uh, pan-continental movements. There was a pan-American movement, like a pan-Latin American movement, which sought to unite the entire area, a pan-African movement, a pan-Asian yeah. um, movement. And at the time they made sense. Now they seem ridiculous, but they seem ridiculous based on how technology no, moved forward, how, how it happened. But they weren't ridiculous at the time. If they weren't ridiculous, people wouldn't have started those mm -hmm. organizations. No, pan pan Arabism. I mean, like it made an enormous amount of sense. Uh, whatever, well, 160 years ago, hundred years ago. Pan Arabism. 
is a reality of history for most of Islamic history. Mm-hmm. The most most of the time they were oh yeah because well, under right? the Turks it was all it was for the most time was right. they were under the Ottomans the Seljuks and the yeah yeah um yeah so that that I mean makes like a, a lot of sense. The, the issue is without that dictator over the top of them, they're just a bunch of warning tribes, and there's no. So and that's they, why Islam started in the first place. Uh-huh. So Islam just connected them all up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why but, identity is such a powerful force. These belief oh, yeah, systems yeah. are like, are how people survive. That's, yeah. that's why a lot of countries were converted in the past. It's, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's sort of like the, I think that sort of the, for the ruling class, the benefit of like, um, individualism the individual the, 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 of, of, of liberalism because you are no longer a person in a grip you're no longer this solid thing together you're um you're an atom and you're very weak and you're very small but you can get porn and netflix and no one can judge you so that's that's what they have to sell but it's like it's yeah that's what you'd much prefer so that's largely what my assumption is is what's happening now so we have these small irish villages at the moment that are being filled with uh, refugees. Um, they're from countries that aren't at war. <laughs> so I don't know what they're refugees from. They're constantly being referred to as Ukrainians, though they're from Africa, the Middle East. Um, yeah, oh, it's, that- yeah, so it's it's so small Irish towns are just being filled up with uh, people from the third world. Um, and this is what's causing the the riots now. So, so these places right. are, being, are now have been regularly being burnt down. So they'll, they'll announce that a hotel is going to house refugees, and it'll be 120, you know, young men from the third world. Um, it, I mean, no matter what your political affiliation is, it just doesn't make any sense. It, it's no, just... no, no. If you're if you're a, a liberal uh, progressive. Uh, wiping out the current culture it does make sense that's the value i mean if you're one of those people and you think somehow that it's ridiculous or think that this is wrong like you need to just check yourself just just take a take a step back and think about it i think it's no but they're they're morally superior no no that you're the bad racism and they are actually really good because like love is love do you not know right do you not know right Uh, no this is yeah, no, it's, on a drum yeah, no, it's 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 genuinely absolutely insane. Now I have my own schizo reasons that I think that's going on. I won't get into, but it's happening. Yeah, we talk macro here. So if yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. talk about global conspiracies <laughs> and whatever, we don't go into yeah. like too much stuff. I, but um, but cultural factors are, you know, if this, there's this, an incentive for somebody in a globe, like globalists are real. So, like, yeah. if there's an incentive for something like the WEF, we don't go into the WEF a lot specifically, but as a organization, you know, there are people who are globalists who no longer identify themselves. Their incentives are not aligned with any culture or nation. So it doesn't matter what happens to those people. They're just My, consumers, like you alluded it, to it, earlier. Issue with, like, pushing on the WEF, I, I, I don't really think that. I think the WEF is, like, some fruity little club, and I don't think it has an enormous amount of power. Like it's a stand-in for the concept of globalism, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like it, there it, are people who think of themselves as globalists in the sense that they want consumers, and, uh-huh. and they and they don't care. They're they're like aristocracies in the past were aligned with their nations. That's why 
that's why the English murdered the the Celtic aristocracy because they wanted to replace it. Mm-hmm. Like it's aristocracies, their incentives were in line with the people. There were there were incentives that matched, and, th- and this was true in um, uh, the Greek Parliament as well. There, the incentives was for the rich to like provide for people. Like you have uh, increased amounts of military deaths in the past of the aristocracy because their their incentives are in line with the country in the sense that fighting for the country gains them prestige as officers, not enlisted for most of human history enlisted are just slaves basically. Um, but yes, the incentives are in line, but right now they're not in line. And I think that that's, what's key. That's what we should at least be saying, but continue with whatever I, you wanted to say. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I, so, well, that's what's currently going on. So what I've been fairly impressed by is the Irish, especially people on the countryside. Uh, uh, I got, um, sorry, I have to provide that message. No, I distracted you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're fine. No, no, I actually had the reply. I had a work message just come through there. So oh, no worries. We, we, we have these, um, we, we have these small Irish towns and they're uh, just filling them with, you know, uh, people, you know, Muslims and Africans and uh, Chinese, and it's just like, why is this being done? Like, what's the end point, or what's the goal, or what's the purpose behind this? And we're told that for some altruistic reason, we're not given. The government keeps saying, "Well, you don't get a choice who lives in your community," and these people are saying, "Well, actually, we do." Um, but I, I, it's, it's, I, I can't for the life of me see anything other that find a reason why anyone would be so for like the the, the fella renting out the hotel he makes a bit of money and the government why the government would decide to pay to do this when it's not going to stop it's just going to it's just going to increase the amount of because these people aren't refugees they're just coming over from you know their countries and just going oh you know we want the house and benefits so we recently had a girl actually murdered yeah, of course you would. Of course, of course you would. I don't blame any of these you people. You can't blame them. It's not their I do, fault. I do not blame any of these people. If right. I was in their position, I'd do the exact same thing. Yeah. But I blame the government. I'll do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Ashley Murphy, so he was a Hungarian that was murdered. Now, the media covered up how brutal the murder She was stabbed multiple, raped and stabbed. The media covered it up, how brutal the murder was. It only sort of came out the court case. Um, so, I... Funny time to tell you i'm three quarters irish i'm a quarter hungarian my one yeah. grandfather <laughs> hungarian so, so he's, he was a hungarian gypsy uh, so not ethnic hungarian he was a not Roman. magyar okay yeah yeah so he um still i i mean it's still awful that somebody was murdered i yeah, i no, 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 no. He, 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 he so he came over to the country was in the country for 10 years never worked was given a house like a large house for free um oh uh then went out. I had been con- con- charged with like child rape in Hungary. Oh, yeah, like the most insane case. And the government oh. won't like say, okay, we should have some vetting process. And so we keep having like, yeah, so, so, so like that sort of kicked everything off that the okay. government won't like readjust policy. In fact, they keep putting these men from third world countries right into directly into these villages. And we keep getting. Everything that you would expect from that, so the murder rate doubled last year. Um, so, yeah, so over the past two years, immigration has surged to the third art largest issue amongst um, oh, Irish. Oh, is, is, is this is old. 
This is always now the first biggest. Oh, oh, this is from December 14th. It's probably just from a different. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, well, no, no, no. That's that's it's, it's things have freaking heated up. Oh, oh OK. Like right now. Right. Right. Because there now. have been the last like two weeks. We have it's it's now we have because we've had there's a small town in Tipperary where they where they were doing this in uh, last week. And this week, are you in the Republic of Ireland right now? Or are you in? No, Northern I'm Ireland? in. I'm in Northern Ireland right now. Okay, okay, go. By like you're I, in the countryside of Northern Ireland. Yes, yeah, right. Okay, J just for clarification, is this happening in both places? No, it's happening just in the Republic. Just in the Republic. Okay. God yeah. bless Brexit. Um. Right. Oh. Wow. So where are okay. they? I don't even know. Like it's it's it's. I thought it so, didn't stop it, but. Sorry, continue. We're still talking about Irish. I keep derailing. So, so we have this massive. So the government keep opening up centers to bring more foreign men to live in indefinitely. It doesn't. The entire policy does not make any sense whatsoever. So you yeah. have to I have to actually just like look and go. To, to you can't really explain it. But then I I'm off the the the, the opinion as well that we're having like a uh dysgenics crisis so quite a lot oh. of people the dysgenics is i'm not sure like, what that is yeah okay it's, it's uh, so it's this idea that we have a irish right of return uh there's there's more people of like there's more irish descent like as a percentage like plenty of people are 50 50 whatever but yeah there's more there's, of that in north america than there is in ireland like three yeah times the, the whole thing is is there's more uh, o'neills and murphys in america than there are in Ireland, but and sort yeah. of the, sort of the believes that um, and again I I have no I'd like to take some back for dysphoria back um, but the lives like oh sure then the Irish go everywhere it's like well the Irish went everywhere went to three they went to fucking Canada America and Australia so come on yeah um three they went to three they went to three places yeah. uh, <laughs> and so we in New Zealand maybe a couple in South <laughs> Africa. Yeah, we, we, so we have to become a minority in our own home. We have to like double our murder rates. We have to not have access to doctors. We have to. It's you can't get a house. You can't see a doctor. Yeah. You can't. It's like the infrastructure can't take us. And then you, like, one of my Irish like, friends just emigrated to Canada last year. Yeah, the Irish people <laughs> really even to get because of this. He emigrated to, uh, and Canada's got a housing crisis too. Yeah, so eh. it, it's it's. <sighs> Because if you were like say concerned about climate change, you go okay. Well, what we want to do is reduce our the size of our economy. We want to reduce our population. We'll keep this going on. We'll close our borders and we'll just sort of work with what we've got. And then you would you would your carbon footprint would decrease, right? So these people claim to be concerned about that, but they want to increase the size of the populations. So, so take someone from who has a very small carbon footprint in a third world country to bring them to a European country and give them a very large carbon footprint. So you don't I actually care about climate change. Over time, it'll lower everyone's carbon footprint because everything will just collapse. <laughs> okay, I asked, well, yeah, yeah. Well, that is what they want. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. so now I'm, I'm, I, I like a, a few before COVID. So after you have to imagine, like I, I was fairly typical. Uh, up until COVID, I was sort of like really? having, oh yeah, very typical. And then I was just like trusted the systems. Yeah, they weren't perfect. Believe science is self-correct, and these institutions they're ultimately working in the right direction. 
and then COVID happened and I got like just watched a system lie non-stop in the most insane ways imaginable non-stop to your face and I was just like well you know you talk to you know you appear but the COVID numbers are through the roof this week and then you talk to a nurse and it's not nobody in the hospital the, the, the COVID ward's empty and it's like why am I not allowed to leave my house? <laughs> it was this. It was this yeah. sort of stuff that I'd already been sort of like the the trans stuff had already been because I left weights and I'd been like in my skeptic circles, uh, talking about it. It was the time I was like uh, lifting a, a deadlift of two hundred and sixty kg, so whatever, like five hundred and twenty pounds, something like that. There is it. Is it? No, it's not. It's, it's a decent lift for an amateur, but it's, it's pretty was, damn good, dude. That's pretty good. <laughs> Um, but uh, I was sitting with some like fairly libby associates, and they were talking about how male and female strength differences are largely a social construct, and these are people in the sciences. I'm like, what? I was like, this, this. So me, so I'd woke up at eleven o'clock in the morning, ate a sausage roll, drank a coffee, went into the gym done my freaking big lift went that's nice second strongest man in the gym now i would be elite level woman i am an elite level female athlete if i decided my name is mary you know it's so, so this sort of idea that you have and these are people who are doing government jobs these are people who are working in the sciences and like what so this this started to like crack things and then covid watching uh my most like educated friends become completely unhinged and have like totally break down sort of like uh um what's this under 15 yeah yeah and of course yes it's um there's a there's There's a a story yeah no there's a website you can go to which is boys versus women and they can they show female olympians up against under 15 or call high school boys uh who gets the most (laughs) gold medals and so it's like overwhelmingly the boys um it's funny you say that. <laughs> that's awesome. My most popular thread on Twitter ever, um, uh-huh. it got 160,000 impressions, is um, some anthropologists wrote a, a, a they wrote an article about yeah. how the theory that men evolved to hunt and women evolved to gather is wrong. And, and like they cited the most ridiculous things in this in this. And they like, I mean, people oh, yeah, really, yeah. they really believe it. Oh, academia and is. Women are not worse than men women are women men are men they're, they're, yeah they're worse at some things but sure, um, they're worse at some things but as far as like value i mean like just because yeah. you're no you no, no it, it's no it doesn't mean you're less valuable it's just yeah. no no it's 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 we they, they done a video recently where it was asking fathers they're you know they're out with their families and they went what what's your daughter's birthday who's your daughter's best friend and like the fathers had no idea about any of these things and the women Who of cares? course knew all of it yeah, and it's like they're like, oh, how bad are men? It's like, no, men and women complement each other. Men, they're providers. They're out with their family. They're looking after. They're doing these things. They don't remember the dates. I don't remember my own birthday most of the time. You know, it's like it's, but it's it's trying to like, how bad are you? Because you can't do this. No, it's men and women complement each other. Um, and and it's it's a sort of like denial of that. But um, no, we had that. No, so so COVID basically destroyed my trust in the institutions. 
Um, because I think like the actual sciences have to be done by a certain type of autist, because like caring about truth is completely weird and autistic. To care about how the world actually operates and why it mm. operates the way it does, like why do you care about that? Is that useful? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know what you care about is um things that increase your increase your position in the social in you know in whatever in in the social hierarchy that would be a normal thing to care about caring about how everyone around you thinks about you whereas the autist doesn't really care the autist picks their weird little thing you know they get really into tanks and they decide i want to know everything there is to know about the church speed of the panzer form you know that's a weird autistic desire now those people have been pushed out of the sciences they've been pushed out of the institutions and have been replaced with women who don't really care for the most part about these sorts of things. They care about community and they care about everybody having a nice time and it's fair and it's equal. And it's like, no, no, science isn't fair and equal. It's like, can you get closer to the truth? Can you make this thing work a little bit better? Can you do this a little bit better? But those people have been pushed out because at the end, at the end of the day as well, for if you're are picking the people to work with, well, again, we have now equality laws and stuff like that already. But before that, you have um, just sort of like a selection, put a pile of women into the schools. And it's like, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick the weird autist who can't look at you right. He's very good, but you can't talk to him. And he's very difficult to be around. Or are you going to pick the nice girl who has the tidy handwriting and done all her homework and is super polite and always says sorry? Like, who, who are you going to pick? And it's like, yeah, obviously you're going to pick the girl. So, but these... But but greatness and this this actual like that uh, Isaac Newton one of the greatest minds that has ever existed may never be another one of them again. Complete asshole would never want him around you. Completely weird. <laughs> but these are the people who try to drive things forward, and so you're not going to get that. And then the institutions now don't really care about because it's filled with these sorts of women, weak men who are very passive and agreeable and just want to get on. Because, again, the, the solid men are sort of like the sort of more high to test their own men who sort of like care about that are gone. They've been, been me too and pushed out to the side. So you're just sort of left with this very compliant, complicit. This is what the institutions are now filled with. They're no longer fit for purpose. Universities, yeah. like you're talking about airlines, talking about having diversity hires. And it's like... I mean, you saw the, the plane recently. Mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah the whole door came off so so yeah so we're heading towards a competency crisis so we're yeah, just we not really are. so the world's getting more and more complicated and more and more difficult and we have less and less competent people and the, the competent people quite often aren't nice and agreeable because they take a steve jobs for example complete asshole yeah seriously yeah, yeah it's like a, a bill gates Bill Gates like gives off this sort of nice game. Anybody who's dealt with Bill Gates is like, no, this is this is a very vicious threat. You know, like if you're not, if you're not, if you're not, everybody who works with Bill Gates likes Bill Gates because if you're not at his level or at the level he wants you around, you're gone. You're, he's not having anybody who's in any way slightly not at the level of competence that he expects has him right. You're not, you're not even gonna associate with you. Hmm. Good for him, honestly. Yeah, no, but it's not even. Yeah, it's just like yeah. But these are the people who sort of push on things, create big things, make systems work. But the system 
actively doesn't want those people. And so you're now, um, it says here, we're, we're just in the period, we're in the collapse. That's just the reality. Get your gun, get your chickens, get your Bible, and just, yeah, we'll wait it out. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, uh, hopefully it's, it's a, it's a slope, but it, it's, yeah, no, the, the, the system as we know, where we are, and the comfort that we have become used to, that's over. But that comfort has been the thing that's made us soft, that has made us. Uh, and that's that same relativity thing, I think, because like uh, people, I, I think that like, you know, I study a lot of history. I, I study mm -hmm. a lot of history. I yeah. study a lot of human cultures. A lot of people that live on this earth right now think very, very differently from the people that live in like the Anglosphere, we'll call it, or mm -hmm. the, the first world or yeah. whatever. And like, you know, people have a relative sense of how things should be, but I always like, this is all an aberration. Like I, I, oh, it's yeah, one yeah. Of my, I forgot so to do this. Fucking weird. It's an aberration. It, mm -hmm. This is not normal. I, I try to post once a month. I think I've forgotten to do this, but like walking through the airport, take a picture of the airport. Like this is an aberration. This is not normal. This, this in most of human history, what we have right now is um, it's not, it's not it. It's not the, the, the majority of people's experience. And the poorest uh, people, the poorest person you know, has a better quality of life than European royalty of the 1900s. Yeah, in absolute terms, that's definitely true. They yeah. can they can travel more, have access to better uh, healthcare, have more access to better quality food, have um more entertainment they have warmer showers softer beds the quality of their life if they have an infection they go get an antibiotic they have a toothache they can get a filling the, the, the quality yeah. of life that we have is uh, and it's, it's and this we sort just of problem. Keep getting more depressed it oh, doesn't yeah. matter it never mattered no no it, it, doesn't, never it doesn't matter because Not we are all. we are an animal that is um dependent we we are an animal that's not comfort comfortable with comfort we right. need to before you can appreciate being warm you must be cold mm -hmm. so and it's because we're so protected from the cold because we don't experience that the way that we have traditionally experienced it well then you can't appreciate it this is just how it is mm -hmm. and so you cannot you cannot appreciate the good without without getting the bad mm -hmm. um that's why i'm i'm, I'm a bit big fan of stoicism so i would like partake in, in uh um intentional discomfort so right uh sleeping on the floor my uh <laughs> friend i have a i be in temporary a lot and i sleep in uh uh i don't get a hotel i have a, an office in a in a warehouse unit with no heating or anything and i sleep in it and somebody just messaged me there now he said it's minus five in temporary this is a good in the in the unit tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'll like purposely put myself into positions of discomfort because then you appreciate comfort when you have it, but you don't yeah. appreciate pot share if you never had the cool share. It, it, it's, it's that sort of way, but because we and again, it's relativity. It, it really is yeah. that that is everything. Absolute terms don't really matter all that much at all. No, 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 not at all. But it's, that's funny. It must be hard to feel like an elite when the plebs are so comfy. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because it's relativity, right? You want more than other people, so it's got to mm -hmm. it's got to go higher and higher. And 
whatever. I, I, there's a great line from um, "There Will Be Blood," where Daniel Plainfield goes, "It's not enough for um, me to succeed; others must fail." You know, and that is a. I have talked to people who have that mindset. Yeah. For me, it's like if I'm doing well and everything's going okay, I'm happy. I don't really care what's going on around me. But other people, they genuinely hate people around them. They hate them. And so, like, what's going on now, You have, you have that has to be understood. The people who are doing the things that they're doing now to Europe, so this mass immigration and stuff like that there, they hate us. Like, that's, that's something that has to be understood. They want you to suffer they want you to clap but this is good i i ultimately think is that this comfort and coziness that we have now is ultimately bad for our souls and the system has to because again you will never do good you'll never do great things i mean you need to suffer you need to be pushed if we're going to go out to the bars we need to hurt you know, we're it's not going to go at bastard son of the king, right? It's it's never the the firstborn prissy boy. It's always the bastard son of the king that has something to prove, but has something to build off of. It's uh, my uh, my what's it again? Uh, my father uh, rode a my father rode a camel, uh, his uh, so that, so that I could um, ride a Porsche, so I could drive in a Porsche. Uh, my sons will drive in Ferraris, and their sons will ride camels. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's sat there. It's yes. I'm civilization is cyclical. That whole idea of good men make strong times. It's hard, hard, hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. Bad times make strong men. Um. So I'm yeah. I'm sure. I think we're we're the we're the men of good times. We we do not fully appreciate just how soft and how easy and how nice everything is so it, it, it's we need those but again I, we need those bad times to sort of to come back if we're going to like if we're going to survive we need them <laughs> you know it's it's a portion of us but is there anything else that you want to say about suppose like, we talk about just sort of like yeah. the rise of nationalism in europe again i suppose because that's what we're sort of this, this is i think maybe what we're talking about where nationalism well, has sort of come very easy to irish because it was never we were never right. demonized for it. Right. So the, the nationalism is, is uh, yes, exactly. We're living in the, the or there were, there were, because they're victims, whatever, or Irish people are victims and in, in, yeah. in the concept of the modern thing, they're not demonized for it, but it does seem like it, it is a, Ireland is a specific case to look at, but it does mm -hmm. have implications and we haven't went there yet, but that if we've talked about the history, the present day, and now, the future, I mean, I, I think both of us have a shared understanding with with how this type of stuff ends. Um, I know for for me, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I personally, um, I really don't, I legitimately don't like violence. Um, I'm mm -hmm. active in the, yeah, the nobody likes violence. Right, right. I mean, I'm I'm active in the anti-war movement in the U.S. Ah. Like legitimately active in it, um, and I I don't want violence, but I do see it. And and you agreed with me earlier is that. Like sometimes situations, I'm not saying I, I'm not personally saying it justifies it, but I'm saying that situations when they get to a certain point, mm -hmm. it enough people, it's going to justify violence for a certain element of the population. If you look at it from a macro lens, so it's inevitable. It, it's, here's it's inevitable the thing, which, 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 which you're 
And we want to stop that situation from happening. We yeah. don't want but, that situation. I, and what I want you to stop doing as well, and people to stop doing, people on the right, is stop justifying yourself to shit libs. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying this, and I'm not saying that, and it will be very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't them bastards. To, to be honest with you, I am speaking to my own audience in a lot of yeah. ways. I don't want I don't want them to misunderstand me at all. I my, I don't my, think shit lives I, I, listen I, to my podcast. Yeah, I but it's, but no, but I think it's like the right one because I was I was I was again. So I'm like coming from as a like someone who's traditionally like I, I'm genetic. So I I'm a big genetics person. I'm a genetic lab, right? I am uh, <laughs> untidy. I am open to new experiences. I am uh, all of these in the big five personality, but I'm also like kind of, but I'm like, but I care a lot about the truth and I don't want to get about there and I sort of like I understand. So I've come to conservatism and come to yeah. and come back to Catholicism through reason. Whereas, oh, this is if you don't have these things, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, and it's like, so. Um, so, so I've come back to these true, true reason. True. So I think the person who's like genetically conservative, um, they just are. Whereas I've got their true argument, true reason. They don't really understand. And because we're living in our, um, we're living in gay American empire. Uh, I love that. That's that. That's really becoming a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Like it's it's that that it's it's you know our culture is you know for people who should read you know learn greek and read the iliad now we have our connection as friends you know so that's the this is the thing that bonds us all together we've all seen every episode of friends um yeah, <laughs> yeah i've never sat down to watch an episode of friends but just through osmosis i have seen every episode of friends yeah um so we have um so i've so I, I don't mix. So this is the thing is, um, again, because of that whole autism thing, it's like, I don't really care what anyone around me thinks. And it's like, oh, so if someone's like genuinely offended by what I've said, I'm like, yeah, that's happened, which is detrimental to me because it makes me like a weird outsider and you don't get invited to things. So, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's All like, right, but it's like, oh yeah, but then I'm the person who's going to like, oh, here's how the world actually works. Because it's like, I, don't care and I'll sit and examine and read and oh yeah and I, and I don't care if it's like there's a whole pile of my opinions that would get my bank account shut basically it's that sort of way um yeah. so, so you, you just sort of like wind up you, you inevitably if you just keep picking at these things you, you, you eventually wind up at this at, at the positions that you, you hold but conservatives because we're in our, our again gay American empire we are super apologetic, but people are super apologetic and they're constantly trying to explain themselves and just make sure, you know, and just yeah, make yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's, I don't care anymore. I do yeah. not care. And I'm not, yeah. if some, if, if I offend the, the most, if, I do not care. And yeah, it's like, I, I get it. And it, I think it is important to not use the phrasing or the framing of, of like, you know, your, your opponents and people that don't like yeah, you. This is, this is, but, this is that we keep yeah. using and I, I've yeah. never, because I've come straight from into this. So I do not use their framing. I do not, like, when they go, they use the buzzwords on me, I go, okay, I don't care. And next. And. And. Is that it? Okay. Go on. And so, like, it, it, it's it's do not ever, ever be apologetic. They smell, people smell weakness. 
and they smell. And if you, once you try to deal with nuance or... Yeah, right. Say when I'm having a position an argument with some sort of discussion or whatever with someone who's a position I agree with or when I'm like in private with them, we'll deal in nuance, maybe. We'll talk about these things and, you know, the macro sense, maybe. We'll have those conversations. But in general, I just say, I just, and again, I don't argue anymore. I tell. I exclusively tell. I'll never get into debate anymore. I will tell you. This is what your opinion is. Right. Because if, if, if I was interested in changing the opinion, I wouldn't argue with them. I would change their TikTok feed. I would change what they've seen on Instagram. Because it's yeah. like, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's, not that, it's not as if anyone has come to the conclusion about the trans stuff because, you know, they've thought long and hard about it. No, right. no, there was an episode of whatever goofy soap opera Disney Channel you watched and then that changed your mind. That that's how, but again, that's simply values are top down, essentially. And the I ruling class fusion is what that would yeah. be called in anthropology, right? Yeah. yeah. So the ruling class have decided this is what you believe and this is this is what you believe, and you believe it so passionately with all your heart. Don't know what the the I had a friend and we were talking about um whatever it was like Kyle Rittenhouse. What a murderer cat. And again, it was like, and it was the George, George Floyd and Kelly Rittenhouse came up and I said, first and foremost, right, we are on a, on a mountain on the side of Ireland. Why do you care about George Floyd? Like, why, why do you care about that? And I says, you care about it because you've seen a good TikTok dance. That's why there's a TikTok dance and you were told to care about it and now you care about it. So there's nothing more than that there. And then I sort of like spurred out and just went, with the Kelly Rittenhouse stuff went detail by detail, every name, every person, every shot. I went, okay, now explain to me what, what, what was wrong there. Of course, didn't know anything about it, knew the TikTok dance version of it. And, <laughs> and this is you're in the wrong, right? You're in the no, wrong. Oh, right? no, the amount of people I have noticed, right? People want strength. This is why it's my, see, the, the, this, is, this is my issue with the whole, like, I'm just understand, I'm maybe sick this clear. People don't respect that. People respect strength. And the average person, people do not come to the conclusion they come to because they've thought long and hard about it. Maybe they think they thought that, you know, but no, they didn't. They've seen the TikTok and seen Instagram. They've seen the advertisement. They were sold that idea by the people in charge, right? That's how they came, right? So what they want is a strong voice saying, this is how the world actually is, obviously. They want to be told. That is it. That's it. Never argue. Tell. I think you're right, dude. I think you're right. Yeah. And that, and that is my... Yeah, yeah. No, I know I'm right. Because I've yeah. seen this. I had this... My fr- We were in America there uh, not too recently. I was over for a bachelor party. And <laughs> my friend... and I you know, Typical Americans sort of like having their like opinions about whatever. And there was one guy talking about... I was, my friend who was an English lad was with me and he was just blown away by it. How... Because everybody's just, Liberine makes us in New Orleans. And I was just like being unapologetically right wing with everybody. And I was just telling everybody. Everybody just fell into line and everybody was okay. And like the shit that I was saying to them, there was one guy who was talking about how if his grandfather was at uh, January 6th, he would have he would have told the FBI, oh, you're pathetic. You are pathetic. Oh, you truly. are a rat. No, often yeah. more pathetic. You don't know my grandpa did. You know my relation. I just, it's just my grandpa beat me, and I went, he didn't beat you enough. And I <laughs> insulted him. I called him a rat. 
I made fun of him. I and then by the end of the conversation, he just wanted to be my friend. He wanted my approval. It's just, but that's just that's that's, that's that's human nature. It's just like oh, people feel strength, mm. and it's it's physical fitness matters. This is the thing, right? Physical fitness matters. Uh, how you talk, your demeanor, that you're confident in how what you say. Always be confident. Do not ask. You tell. Always, always. When I'm dealing with tell. I'm uninterested in whatever silly argument you have. I'm uninterested in what, oh, whatever TikTok video you see. Did you see a good TikTok video? Yeah. Destroy and tell. That is that is that is how that is how this operates. Now I think I, we're heading for collapse. I, I There's no getting out of this. IQ's declining. Uh, the system has made us the vast majority far too soft to survive anything. This, the people here in charge of the system hate us. Um, we are the carbon they want to replace. There's no the idea like, oh, we're trying to address climate change. See, if you want to address climate change, you'd be building nuclear power plants for the last 60 years. They haven't been doing that way. They're not doing, oh, remember the wind, wind turbine. So no, everyone knows this is all horse. So nobody actually wants to address. So, so um, th- these people, these are every every policy they're pushing is simply to rid themselves of the people who stand in the way of their power and to replace some people who are going to be more easily controlled. And that's that's it. That's just, well, of course, that's what you want. That's what happened in the Ulster Plantation. There were Irish people who were not easily controlled, so they sent a bunch of Scottish Protestants who would be who would who would take orders. And so it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's why a ruling class would do that. Obviously. If you, yeah, yeah. Obviously that's what you want. And so this is this the issue is okay, right? So you have a ruling class who who you okay, so have two things. So they want to create this like technological um future uh techno authoritarian society, but you need people to like the ruling class aren't as smart as they think they are. They're, they're not nearly as intelligent as they think they are, and it is to to a point where it's insane, um, because they don't they think everybody's sort of interchangeable when everybody's not. Not everybody's good at frigging. Not everybody's going to be fit to run a power plant. Not everybody's going to be fit to make sure the water's clean. Not everybody's going to be fit to. Uh, make sure the roads remain without potholes. There's certain people, certain groups, certain people can run civilization, and the less and less of those people are, then civilization stops working. So their techno uh, future doesn't work because you do not have enough competent people to operate within that system. So the system just collapses in itself. But I think we inevitably head. We're heading head first towards collapse. I've no. Yeah, you just. I don't know. You look at whatever. Venezuela, or South Africa, Detroit. You look at any of these things, and you go, "Those those places have collapsed." Now they're still semi-operating, but by any means, any like that. If 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 your town turned into any of those places, you would say that, that my town has collapsed, and that's where we are all heading in that direction. But again, I think it's it's just you know civilization cyclical. We just accept that, and we prepare ourselves. We prepare the people around us. We look after. This is, my, this is why I'm so happy about seeing the Irish communities come together the way they have, because this is because I can't affect what's happening in Brussels. I can have no effect in what's happening in Johannesburg. I have no effect in what's happening in London, but I can affect my neighbours. I can affect my family. 
a little bit, maybe, hopefully. So you do these things. You um, you work on yourself, you train, and then you work on your tribe. Tribe and train. This is, these are the things you concentrate on. This is how you don't get blackpilled. But, um, yeah, collapse is inevitable. And maybe that's it. And I've shown a lot, I think, in, in, in part, um, that's probably a good thing because something better has to rise up out of it. You know, mm. you have to, it, it's, it's, that's just the way because we're too soft and docile and we're not going to do it. America's talking about going back to the moon. And it's like, no, you're not. That's not happening. It's not now, no, it's it, they literally have just basically said this. It's like, oh yeah, it's much more difficult now. It's like, yeah, and it's, it was just like America. America peaked nineteen sixty nine. It peaked when, uh, and then it was stagnation and decline. And we don't really, so they, nobody knew they were in the freaking end of an empire, and people still mm-hmm. don't know. But it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it, but here maybe but the the one my one like sort of like was. Um, Oh, what across the South American country it has uh oh they'd arrested all the criminals, brought the crime rate down to oh, uh, El Salvador. <laughs> El, Salvador. El, Salvador? El Salvador. El Salvador. That so potentially we get our Caesar. Potentially a Caesar comes up and he turns things around. Now, whether that happened or not, I don't know. But um for the most part, you look after yourself, people around you, and you you focus in on that there, and that's the that's the white pill. I think that's. Oh, again, yeah. But I keep moving away from. Uh, I don't even know how I got there. But um, no, yeah. it's good. It was a bunch of good stuff. I'm going to clip some of it, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I I think we can we can stop there. Thanks for for coming, Buck, so much. Unless you had anything else you wanted to to close it off no, with. No, I suppose I'll just. Oh, I suppose the thing we were talking about was just nationalism. I'll just say the rise of like nationalism in in, in Europe again is. Is happening. So after yeah. World War Two, nationalism basically become uh, a dirty word. But again, Europe was like suffering from like post traumatic stress after two of the most violent wars in human history. Right. And um, nationalism, which was to blame for these, in part to blame. You know, and again, it's resources. Hitler wasn't invading uh, uh, Poland for the banter. He was invading Poland because he, he wanted to grow wheat. And feed Germans, yeah. you know, lack of resources. You know, it's re- different ethnic groups competing over a limited amount of resources. That 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 is war. Um, but died off, became completely untrendy, largely down to television, largely down to schools, largely down to uh, heavy amounts of propaganda. Didn't happen in Ireland. Not, we were allowed to be nationalists because we have like, again that vic because we were one of the victims again, yeah. which is beyond pathetic it's disgusts me yeah. it, it genuinely disgusts me i think it's the desperate it's 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 the native american that they were um what what they were noble. were warring noble savage tribes noble. they brutalized their enemy and they lost the war and then somebody better came in and wiped them out that's what happened that's what happened there's and there's a nobleness in that and there's a strength in that, and that's what happened. But the liberals turned them, oh, they played the peace drum and smoked the peace pipe. Oh, they were so peaceful and nice, and they were all transgender as well. You know, it's like they've turned them into this, like, grotesque parody, this silly little thing for their silly little stories. And it's like they, they want to turn everything pathetic and weak like they are because weakness is, I don't know, it, it wants to spread. If you're 
if you're awake, you want everything around you to be awake. And so they've constantly trying to turn that there. Back to nationalism in, in Europe, it, it, it's it's now that it's now turning. Germany's now switching right wing. You're I'm having conversations. I keep yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's the one spot to watch. So the Germans, I the amount of Germans who I've spoken to, you're like, oh yeah, we really can't talk about this. And we really but then I be very direct with my position and the amount of Germans will go. Yeah, they'll they'll have opinions that you wouldn't expect them to have, perhaps, and they'll start, you know, complimenting people that you maybe wouldn't expect them to compliment. But it's over and over again. It's like, oh, it's lying there, it's dormant, but it's been suppressed right. by this system. Twitter has been fantastic. Twitter has been amazing. What Elon Musk just opened it up and was just like, oh, we're allowed to have these opinions again, and it's it's how the lib is just sort of like folded in on themselves, how they just sort of have to mute and block everybody, because they can't defend, because they didn't have to defend the position, they just got the person removed off the, off the, the kind of, yeah, I do not, like, I have to I do, obviously have to be selective about certain things they say and what we're doing, and I friends on it, so I don't be, and again, again, as I was saying, I was, I was I have a lot of friends still, so I don't want to go totally uh, <laughs> Um, schizo right on them, but um, I, I occasionally leak it out every so often. But um, yeah, but no, it, it's the switch in Europe, and I think this what's happening in Europe is necessary because if you don't have something to push up against, you eventually become weak and docile and nothing. So having what's happening now is going to make everything sharper. It's going to make everyone a bit stronger, a bit angrier. It's going to build something out of that. It, the reason America didn't go to the moon because they, you know, cause it's, oh, just look how pretty it was. They went to the moon because I want to show you my dick's bigger than your dick. This is why America went to the moon. It was men who wanted to go to war, couldn't go to war, but going to okay, stick a rocket into space. You know, it's that aggression, that anger, you know, that that's mm-hmm. what created that. The Indian Wars ended in 1924. Like the West wasn't really like the frontier wasn't closed until like the late 1800s, early mm-hmm. 1900s. They were still fighting with Native Americans. Like there yeah. were people alive in 1969 who could have seen like unsurrendered, not on reservation yet Native Americans living, still trying to like have that life in the face of, uh, you know, Western expansion. There's something to that. There's something. No, to no, that. they 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 fought. No, that's uh, beautiful. It's, it's one of my favorites. I think it was Benjamin Franklin talked about like people going native, where he um, uh, talked about so like they had this problem of like of Europeans joining the Native American tribes, yeah, um, yeah, going native, going with them, right? And he says he was um, never aware of any Native American who wanted to join civilization. Just I'm, never dude, aware of one case. That is that is a very, very niche quote. I don't know if I've ever met any American that knows it. I know it because I study Native American stuff a lot. Yeah. But that's incredible. No, it's 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 uh, it, you know, it's it's I, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm always sort of like on the verge of like Ted Kaczynski and just getting a shack and living up in the woods by myself. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, um, yeah, no. So that's the idea of like going native. It's like, oh yeah, that's obviously that's what you'd want to do. Um, obviously that's what you want to do. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't understand why anybody would want anything else. 
Um, yeah. But no, and there wasn't any the other direction, by the way. It, yeah. it, it didn't happen. There's no one running away they, from the Native Americans and walking up to some freaking colonial house. Yeah, so I can, you know, work more hours, eat, eat worse food. Yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, no, we've, we've uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's so yeah, no, that's that's um, my all right. Position. So no, yeah, no, I think it, I keep I keep going off on different. As the, no, no, you're good, you're there. good, you're good. It's good stuff. Um, they're gonna love it. I'm gonna so I'm gonna a little bit. I'm gonna pull it off the live, and then I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna post it on the Patreon immediately. That I'm gonna using um patreon it's down there and then uh i'll edit it down and i'll put it back up here probably in like a week or so i'm, I'm relaunching everything now I, I haven't put an episode up on the feed for like a month so mm-hmm. you know this will be the first one probably i i have one with uh david gornoski so do you want to promote anything i know you said you don't do a podcast anymore but i i can also uh, I can promote your Twitter off of this as well if you wanted some followers. Uh, if 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 you want, I don't really want any followers or anything anymore. I don't okay. really care. I just uh, um, I don't even like what the Buck Mulligan. So my real name's Paul. So Buck Mulligan's a character from uh, James Joyce's Ulysses. But I used to use it for when I was doing all my science and skepticism podcasts and stuff like that. There, so that's where I had like. Uh, but then I just don't. I don't even like associate in that world anymore. Oh, okay, okay. So. Um, yeah, no, I think there'll be a lot of people if they heard me now. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. just great show. Uh, JC is always saying hi and bye to everybody, so that's that's a normal thing. And uh, goodbye. All right, yeah, yeah. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Thanks so much for your time, Buck. I appreciate it. We'll no, no, it oh, no definitely, talk. definitely. And when you're over here, give me a shout. Um, yeah, I will. I'll be around the country. I'll be in Dublin twice a week, and I'll be in Tipperary once a week and, okay and, yeah i'm everywhere but yeah cool. no, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take you in a tour all but, right um, man absolutely but here okay not... all right thanks a lot man good luck bye